Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. what did we watch well kevin we watched the batman a 2022 sort of a uh, superhero picture well is it a superhero picture since batman doesn't have any superpowers caped crusader picture <laughs> cape crusader cinema <laughs> i mean yeah it is and then second of all uh but this the reason we're doing it on this mystery show podcast it's a mystery as to why we're doing it. I can't figure it out. Just craving quest for downloads. No, it's because, I mean, 
Batman is referred frequently as the world's greatest detective. By right? who? By, by people. It's, it's not like you go and hear press conferences at Scotland Yard where they say, well, you know, we wish we had a man of the caliber of the Batman on this case. So who refers to him as the world's greatest detective? More and more people are saying this. <laughs> Have you heard anyone outside of like DC Comics so related PR? So you're saying I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm buying the branding. I'm buying his branding. That's what I, I think you're being think. a bit of a dupe. No one is saying this. I don't open up the New York Times and they say, well, you know, this guy's a pretty good detective, but I really wish we had the Batman on the case. You know, he's the greatest detective in the world. Also, let me point out, he doesn't even exist. <laughs> Kevin. So you're really being naive Kevin, here. none of the I, people. I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. Mystery to me doesn't deal with facts. It deals with, uh, deals with fiction. So it's okay. We can talk about him as the world's greatest detective. Even in the world of fiction, isn't it child's play? D d who, who would you say is the world's greatest detective in fiction? Sherlock Holmes. He's no Batman. <laughs> Doesn't dress in a dumb outfit and run around and break things. <laughs> or a Perot or a Columbo yeah, those or Kojak. Guys. Yeah, some, wow, a very male list. <laughs> Interesting. V.I. Warshawski. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't even know where to start unpacking this. So... But he is referred to in, in the DC Comics world as the greatest detective in that universe. Is that fair see, to say? See, and I oh think, I think. Jesus Christ, it's still going if on. You're, if you're such a great detective, <laughs> when we think of Sherlock Holmes, we don't think, we know, he's a great detective because he has all those gadgets. <laughs> he uses his brain. Gizmos. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's, there's different, people are allowed to do different things. So, so Batman is like, uh. Like with, like with magicians, you have like magicians who do close up hand magic. They come to your table at the magic castle and they do like little hand magic tricks. That would be scary if Batman did that. No, no let me finish. <laughs> For once, I know, I know it's difficult. I know it's a challenge, but just be quiet for a minute. You're in rare form today. <laughs> you have your magicians who do like close up magic. And that takes real skill. Yes. And then you have your TV magicians like a David Copperfield where it's all just huge props where he'll make the statue of Liberty disappear, but it involves like pushing buttons and moving props. And that's the kind of detective Batman is. He's, he's not the close up magician. He's the prop magician. He's not the world's greatest detective. Are you quite finished? Cause I know this is shock. I know you love the character. I know you go back to the days of Bob Kane Dick Sprang. I know you you started watching the Batman serials back in the 40s. Dick Sprang? <laughs> the greatest Batman uh, artist who ever lived. Dick Sprang. Are you sinking to the level of where you're making fun of a man's name? Yes. He, cho he could have been Richard Sprang. He made a choice. He should own that. He's a great comics artist. He was. He unfortunately uh, passed away. I'm telling you, a man died, and you're over there stifling your laughter. I think you're what a monster. You're standing up and saluting Dick Sprang. <laughs> He's a great artist. Good Lord. He's more of a Neil Adams woman. Oh, my God. I don't know any of these people. I think Neil Adams is overrated. I prefer, like, your Dick Springs, your Jim Aparos. Or I, even, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Maybe it's Aparo. 
Uh, he's a great, he did the Brave and Bold, of course, for many years, often collaborating with the great Bob Haney. Marry a, marry a comics fan, they said. It'll all work out, they said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a fan of the character. You hate it. You just know all about all these like artists who created it and all about the character. But yeah, it's Pat. Bleh. You're a, you're a Superman guy. You you just you just pick up things on the street yeah, as, on the as street, a young person. Kids are talking about <laughs> kids are talking spring. about it behind the behind the the school. You know, Jesus. sitting on the stoop. Jesus Christ! You got a lot of friends who are Batman people as opposed to Superman people. So yeah, so some, you can you can overlook culture, yeah. you can overlook things. You can you can form bonds outside culture your differences. Exactly. How would you define the difference between a Batman person and a Superman person? Okay, to me, and this is just going to be very trite and bullshit observations because I'm not a comic book person. So so you're setting me up for that. Yes, I'm setting you up for failure. Yes, now go ahead. So I guess isn't Superman kind of like sunny daytime, like you know. Uh, Save the world stuff, maybe some heavy stuff about being adopted and, and coming from a different planet and stuff, but generally pretty more optimistic, whereas Batman t- tends to be more nighttime, pessimistic, uh, you know, I, I lost my parents and, uh, you know, I need to correct society and, and protect other people from this. And so they, you know, it's like, like, like Superman lost his parents like to a natural disaster, but Batman's parents were murdered in front of him. So they just have different kind of ways of doing things based on that. And uh, the Superman, there's something uh, lonely about the Superman character because he's totally different from everyone else in the world. Uh, some people argue that Batman is more of an aspirational character because, uh, you know, if you wake up tomorrow and your parents are murdered in front of you, you have a chance of becoming Batman if you work really, really hard. Right, right. You can never be Superman. No one can ever be Superman. And Superman is almost like this like immigrant story where it's like we have to show the best and brightest of us Kryptonians by having them sort of like save the day and be like perfect almost like you know, like kind of like kind of go around like it, it's like he's like a cultural ambassador almost. Yes, and he also assimilates pretty well into American culture and tries to fit in. And he's a reporter and we love him for that, folks. Um and then Batman's like yeah, I mean I mean they're both I mean it, I I think there's fun you could have with both. You know, I'm not I I I grew up watching the Batman animated show. So that's that's pretty much my only real knowledge base. Do you like a Batman. Paul Dini fan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. You could just start making up names in this and I would be like, Yeah, they were great. <laughs> I've never seen the animated show. I enjoyed it. Uh but I mean it's like for kids. I mean it's like an animated show. It was kind of darker than maybe like your Scooby Doo's, perhaps, but you know, still pretty Which is more of your speed. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. That the Batman show had some scary episodes. Like what? I remember there was one where Batgirl, well, spoiler alert, there was one where Batgirl dies, but she's not really dead. It's just a scare toxin. But I remember watching that as a kid. She's, like, bleeding out the mouth. She, like, crashes down on her dad's police car and, like, dies in his arms. I remember being like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> what am I watching? I'm, like, six. <laughs> I was like, uh. I was a very sensitive child. But, you know, so, I mean, that's my knowledge basis. So I, I have a much more limited pool here of, of Batman content than, than you, I think. I'm not super familiar with the character. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you said smirking. Smirking as you said it. I mean, for you, for you, what is the appeal of the character? And what, what makes it uh, inferior? What makes him inferior to Superman? 
the Superman comics in the Silver Age were helmed by someone uh, named Mort Weisinger who understood world building, and he created a big and magical world. Uh, the Batman comics in that era were helmed by someone who was a better human being than Mort Weisinger, but wasn't as skilled of an editor. And those stories often just followed the lead of the Superman stories where uh, Superman has a super dog. Uh, let's give Batman a dog. And so you have Ace the Bat Hound. And things like that <laughs> just seem like uh, pale uh, imitations. Uh, there, there have been some Batman stories over the years that I thought were well done. Uh, I know you're a big fan of the Brian Talbot story, uh, Mass, uh, an issue of Brave and Bold, uh, written by Alan Brennert, in which uh, it tells the story of how Batman of Earth 2 married Catwoman. That was a touching story. Uh, to Kill a Legend from Detective 500. And then generally, I really like the Batman stories written by a man named Bob Haney was someone who, his his whole way of thinking was... If you pick up a comic book, let's do anything we can to make that particular comic book entertaining. Let's not care if it doesn't fit in with anything else you know about Batman. Let's just have fun and tell a good story. And that kind of attitude, that throw everything at the wall, who cares if it makes sense? <laughs> uh, he abruptly in the 70s started telling the stories. We know Superman and Batman. Uh, you know, it turns out about 20 years ago, they got married and they have kids. They got so, married to each other? They got married to women and they have kids. The super sons. And so like, he's suddenly telling stories about the sons of Batman and Superman. And you can't fit that into continuity. It doesn't make any sense, but they're fun stories. I think you think continuity is overrated. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, what you've expressed to me. And you also think that, and this is where we're getting into the movie maybe gritty here uh gritty superhero films you know are, are a little bit overdone is that fair to say i think superheroes are inherently an absurd even arguably a fascist uh, <laughs> uh, even a fascist uh construct where we have all these problems uh let's bring in someone super to solve all of our problems only for this us. person can solve it we must uh, worship the strong man so I think they work better when they're more out there and more silly or more childish or more obviously not real. When you start trying to make the trappings of a superhero story seem real, you get all sorts of disturbing questions that come to mind. And also you have some scenes and stuff that just seem absurd uh in this movie there's not much of a spoiler alert here but i said there, there there are scenes where like batman dressed in his full batman regalia <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the whole movie is like in a csi lab <laughs> looking at stuff and looking at evidence can and you run that, those fingerprints through uh through the fbi's database i mean what the fuck and how can you see that without thinking this is just dumb. ridiculous it's dumb on the so that's a very that's a very interesting point so we, we have this sort of clash with realism and the fantasy at the same time in this case uh we were looking forward to the film because uh it was uh matt reeves matt reeves directed and co-written by matt reeves planet of the apes and you 
you're probably you always say you're the biggest ape head in the world. Yeah. You love playing the apes. All my apes gone. <laughs> this is an NFT channel now. <laughs> you uh, you inherited that uh, fondness for that franchise from your father. My dad loves Planet of the Apes, and so do you. And I, I didn't really love it, but then we started watching some of them, and it's okay. I the third one I saw, I was like... You were bawling like a baby. I was crying at the end. It was really good. It was very well, just a well-told story. So he he's a good storyteller, and you can see that from his other work. So I think we were excited. Like We're kind of like, okay, we're skeptical about a very gritty superhero film right now. We're also intrigued because this is a guy's good storyteller and honestly i think the picture we ended up seeing sort of kind of confirmed both of those things there's some really good storytelling there's some really good moments there's some good aspects of it and then again some of it kind of butts up against some of the limits of having a gritty superhero story in my view and you know so if you really like gritty superhero films i think this is probably going to be fun for you um i mean one other reason i feel like we're entitled to talk about it for mystery to me First of all, we can do whatever we want. It's our show. But second of all, there's no one here telling us what to do. Yeah, we we have the control. Don't have any corporate overload. The other thing, I mean, with with this, it's it's basically a crime film. It's basically a serial killer movie. So we'll get into that and then sort of the limits of telling a serial killer story through the lens of a guy dressed in a bat suit. And listen, I I know joking about him being a guy dressed in a bat suit is like cliche at this point. Everyone knows how ridiculous it is. We're bringing nothing new to the table. We're bringing nothing new to the table, but. But it deserves to be said here because I mean it's it's so I mean it's so stupid, it's so dumb, it's ridiculous. Anyways, so the story here, Robert Pattinson stars as Batman, of course, and this is how, how, how do you think he did as Batman? Give um, me an overview. I thought he did pretty good. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not like I don't have a, like a strong notion. To me, a guy seeming kind of sad. Going back and forth between dressing in a bat suit and pretending to be a rich guy, you know, that's sort of, I mean. So your favorite Batman, George Clooney. I've not seen a lot of the Batman films. Val Kilmer? Adam West. Well, that poor Michael Keaton. I, I liked him. I mean, I've, I haven't seen that entire, I haven't seen one of those entire movies, but I've seen clips and I felt like he did a Christian good Bale? Ben Affleck? <sighs> Who's your favorite Batman? I like Adam West and Michael yeah, there, Keaton. There you go. So this is a, kind of almost an emo boy Batman. He's got this like dark floppy hair. He looks all sad and pale. Like girls in 2007 have been going nuts over this. And like there's a, a line in the movie where they say they want Batman to unmask. But golly, Batman, you're unmasked when you're Batman because that's the real person you are. And that that's a storytelling choice that informs uh, a lot of the way the movie is made because we actually see relatively little of Bruce Wayne, who's the man behind the mask. Mostly we see Batman. Mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne is himself basically a very minor character, which I thought was uh, to the film's detriment. So we we have mostly him going around. He's an early career Batman. This is not a wizened Batman. This is a young Batman who is sort of new to the crime-fighting Thing. He's got a couple of years under his utility belt, but not not much more than that. So he's it, it, it's that kind of, you know, like kind of it's not an origin story in the sense that it's where he's starting off. But it's like we're seeing him. And I thought that was an interesting idea. You know, it was like, OK, well, how would how, what would the kinks he needs to work out be like? What would that look like? Oh, but I want to I want to think Batman has a lot of kinks. 
Oh, well, Jesus Christ. I guess I did walk into that one, didn't but I? Go, but go on. One thing I wanted to say, and th- this is this, this is, we were talking about this with the kind of some of the troubling implications of superhero stories in general. And then when a, a grittier movie tries to play with those, they never, they, they might raise interesting questions. They never seem to have particularly interesting answers because it seems like there's more of a trend now to be more questioning of like superhero stories or like, do, is Batman's existence causing these other villains to come up and do all these crazy crimes, right? Like, is, is by having a crazy Batman guy in the city, is that making Gotham even more insane, you know? And, like, so they, they'll raise those questions, but then the answer always seems to be on some level, ah, just let Batman do what he does, whoa. <laughs> like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, like no, none of these movies ever comes to the conclusion of, like, actually, maybe I should just, you know, let the police handle this, or maybe I should, like, do something else, basically. I mean, because, it, like, it's always kind of ultimately has to justify the superhero because otherwise then, you know, we can't have all these shared universes and like the, the movie series is over, which like, is yeah, I mean, okay. But like, if you're going to raise the question, it's, it's not that satisfying if it's just kind of like, huh, is this a bad idea? Hmm. It's not even playing with ambiguity. It's just more of like, not really sort of like running with the full implications of what questions we're asking. And that's relevant to this picture. <laughs> <laughs> Because in this, uh, Batman has to go up against the Riddler, who is a sort of Zodiac killer-esque figure. Not not very realistic serial killer, in my humble view. But he is is uh, basically, he's the, he's the big villain in this one. Yeah, and that's something else that it seems, it seems an interesting choice to take... Uh, a children's comic book villain, which is what the Riddler is, and graft a serial killer personality character on him. It's like, if you want to tell the story of a Zodiac-esque serial killer, let's just tell the story of a Zodiac-esque serial killer. Why does he have to be Riddler? Would the next one be about a villainous child molester named the Toy Man? I mean, it just seems to trivialize the the crimes and the offenses when we make him the Riddler. Well, Kevin, I think you actually hit the nail on the head. I completely agree that grafting, as you said, the Zodiac Killer onto the Riddler, who in most iterations is a bowler-wearing, you know, green tuxedo-wearing jokester, basically, is, is pretty stupid from a number of levels. And what irritates me and this is just as a true crime person, is it really oversells the concept of the serial killer. Like, these movies would have, you think, movies like this, and a, and a lot of films fall victim to this portrayal of serial killers, but I think it's, I think it's actually harmful. Um, like, a serial killer is basically like the Terminator. Like, once he's decided to kill you, you're totally dead. Like, and he's gonna, he's eluding everybody, he's taunting the police, he's, he's basically larger than life and unstoppable. And, I mean, that's just typically not base. In fact, you could make a serial killer character scary. I'm not saying, you know, oh, the, you need to make them a bunch of bumbling fools, but to make them this, like, powerful. I mean, this guy's, like, well, we'll get into it, but this Riddler is basically, 
mur- you know, murdering these high-profile Gotham people with impunity, and you know, the police can't stop him. You know, only Batman can stop him, and it's just kind of like, okay, like that's just, I just think that's stupid, and it, I. Making it more gritty almost makes it more silly, in my opinion. If it's just some guy in a little hat being like, "If you could guess these riddles three, you know, like then okay, then we're all we're all enjoying the, you know, we know this is not how crime works. But when it's trying to sell people on this, like, yeah, what if it was like the Zodiac killer or something? Then you know, everyone's kind of coming away with like, well, yeah, that's crazy. And it's like, no, this is come on, this is not. Yes, there have been serial killers that have taunted the media and police. Yes, there have been serial killers that are very scary and bad people who did bad things and got away with it. But but generally, generally this is just too much. It's too much for me. I just I throw my hands up and I say, ah, I don't like I don't like when you I don't like when people who don't seem to understand crime like blend real life crime influences into their fictional products because it's like no, this is this is not how it works. Maybe I'm anal. Maybe I'm being too. You know, don't be looking at me like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe 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 I'm no fun. But I don't know. I just think that it it makes it it takes me out of the picture. It takes my believability out. It takes what? it takes me out of the picture. So, I should we go into the just general sort of so basically it's Riddler killing off people in Gotham and Batman has to try to stop him basically. Yeah, that's basically the plot. And he also meets Catwoman. Should we reveal a little detail about our personal life here? Uh, that we're secretly costume crusaders trying to uh, fight crime in Indianapolis? Sometimes uh, I refer to you by a pet name. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, and that name. I probably have used it on this very uh, program. I call you uh, Ani. Oh my God! Yeah, oh, I forgot about this part. <laughs> and there is a character in this movie named Ani. <laughs> Things don't work out well for Ani. Yep, <laughs> I end up murdered. <laughs> yeah, that was a little upsetting. A little upsetting. You were all distraught, and I got confused. I thought the movie was real life, and you had to take me out of the theater. <laughs> I had to stay up all night with you to explain fiction and reality. <laughs> it was one of those things, like, I never have to deal with that because, you know, like, there might, like, I'm sure there's a lot of movies with Kevin. I mean, like, Home Alone, right? Like, everyone's yelling about Kevin. We have to talk about Kevin. Yeah, we, uh, but I, no one has to talk about Anya because it's, it's a name that, you know, will never become popular popular in the United States. So I don't have to worry about it. So it was just People hate the name. People hate the name. They'll never catch Everyone here wants to name their kids basic-ass stuff, you know? I mean, no one can handle that many vowels, you know? And so I think with with Ani, it was it was upsetting to be in there and be like, where's Ani? Is Ani dead? Like, uh, well, you know, uh, they took Ani's passport. I'm like, oh, my God, stop! <laughs> Is that Ani's body in the trunk? <laughs> I don't want to hear this! <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, they kind of have a steamy, you know, a cat and cat woman and Batman have sort of a steamy thing going on. She's as steamy as it can be when two performers have no chemistry and the characters have no real reason to be interested in each other. Yeah, I didn't get why she would be interested in him. You know, a woman would never be interested in a dashing man who seems emotionally unavailable. 
Is he dashing or is he a guy in a like a lot of body armor wearing a Batman mask? You you you're. Do you find that dashing? No. <laughs> if there was a guy dressed up. Kevin's about to go cancel some orders on Amazon. <laughs> some ill thought out uh, ideas. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think that I, I think the characters, I think the movie could have given the characters more screen time together and more sort of like. I didn't buy the emotional connection between them, which they do a pretty good job of saying Batman is like obsessed. He's really afraid to let anyone in. He doesn't want to be hurt. He doesn't want to suffer. Yeah, that's good. A yeah. loss. And then all of a sudden, so, okay, he's isolated. He's alone. He sees, he sees a woman that's kind of cute. Oh, I think I like that woman. You know, it seems like if that's all it takes to break down his emotional barriers, wouldn't that have happened, uh, you know, like a half a dozen times before breakfast? In the city of Gotham, you can see lots of uh, attractive women walking down the street. I feel like this is all revealing something about you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, I'd feel, I wanted to, I wanted to understand why they had that connection more and and also you know what what she saw in him and what he saw in her because the flip side is you know she's she's sort of like on the in the underbelly of crime spoiler alert her dad is this like top mobster falcone and she's sort of like in that world working at his club and stuff and sort of on the margins but she also is like sort of like a part-time cat burglar essentially so she's all she's like you know against the system. She's against like rules and law and order, and that's what Batman stands for. And yes, they both have perhaps more morality than some of their opponents because they're not they're both not evil people. But you know what is what is a cat burglar who's kind of like basically disavowed following the rules? What does she see in this guy? And you could you could answer that pretty easily, and I'm sure a lot of stories do. I didn't feel this film necessarily made me buy the love story. I don't. You said that the Batman stands for law and order. I mean, kind of. He seems to. Kevin, he's clearly an agent of the police. In this film, he's an agent of the police, but he also seems to exist uh, outside the system. It's to me, confusing. to be a real vigilante, you have to be. Willing, I mean, like, to, like the like a vigilante character to like be going against the system. You know, the police aren't literally calling him to come deal with situations and. And this movie tries to have it both ways, I think, which is interesting. On the one hand, uh, you know, J Jim Gordon is calling him with the bat signal and stuff. But on the other hand, it's like they can, the movie has to be like, okay, well, only Jim Gordon's the one who likes him. The rest of the police are very suspicious. And it's like, okay, but then <laughs> Jim Gordon, like, get fired, essentially? And, and the, he seems to operate some sort of uh, expensive light device which he somehow uses to signal Batman. Did he pay for that himself? Was that paid for by the city? If it was paid for by the city? It seems like they jerry-rigged that themselves in this version. In other versions, like, the it's the cities. But in this version, like, they built it themselves. And as you said, like, how the hell would that, you know, indicate where to go in the city? <laughs> like, go yeah, end up all the way uptown, and then you, oh, <laughs> wrong way. Because yeah, he, he shines the bat signal, and, they, and they, it shows them meeting at different places. So how do they know where to go? So in terms of, um, you know, but I mean, I will say this to me, Jim Gordon, who is played in this by Jeffrey Wright, he was my, by far my favorite character in the whole film. The parts with him and I was like, yeah, I don't know. He just seemed very down to earth, like this kind of like tired detective guy who's just sick of everything, but is still trying, still 
trying to do the right thing. And I just, to me, there was, he was the most compelling character in the whole thing. I found it interesting. uh, He seems very honest. He seems down to earth, a no nonsense type of guy. So why is he the one working with this costume nut? I guess you could make the argument, as this film does, that turns out that unbeknownst to Gordon or anybody, the entire Gotham PD is incredibly corrupt. And perhaps part of him felt the need to turn outside to someone who he, through experience, felt he could trust and felt had the right int- the, the interest of the city at heart because maybe his, his, his own agency didn't. You raise an interesting point there. I think we're supposed to think that Jim Gordon is maybe a brilliant detective, certainly a very good police officer, certainly a very intelligent man. He is working for a police agency. That's deeply corrupt and he doesn't know anything He has about no it. idea about yeah, it. And, yeah. and I think that if... That seems problematic. If I'm working at a grocery store... <laughs> And three quarters of the people at that grocery store are secretly selling drugs or secretly running horrors out the back door. Yeah, even if you're not involved, you you'd probably, know you'd know something. You know, so, well, or at least you wouldn't necessarily know who exactly is doing it, but you would know something is wrong here. Yes, I agree. It doesn't make any sense. It's a it's a it's a it's a plot hole. It's a writing flaw. But that being said, I did like the characterization, and I I like that. I like that actor. I like that that character. So. It's it's a plus, but it's also so. And I think this is sort of the central. A lot of this movie is sort of writing checks that it can't really cash quite for for me at least. Um, where it's like, okay, so the film is Gotham is deeply corrupt. You know, the DA is corrupt, the mayor is corrupt, everyone's corrupt. Everyone, uh, the the commissioner is corrupt. They all get horribly murdered in very graphic scenes that I actually didn't watch. I like covered my eyes because I don't like that shit. Um, but they're all bad and you know, the, the mobsters have taken over everything essentially, which is like fine. I, I don't mind a good conspiracy, but, um, kind of creates problems like that. Well then how does nobody know about this and how is this new to anybody? And like what, like what, and then the, the interesting thing is this movie tries to sort of have a deeper statement on like legacy. So you have, turns out that Batman's parents weren't you know the angels that they've been portrayed as in in this movie and, and they they the dad was running for mayor and actually at quote unquote accidentally took a hit out on a reporter whoops <laughs> like you do <laughs> oh man number of colleagues i've lost to accidental hits from uh billionaire doctors you know i'd i mean like <laughs> what the fuck and and this is where it's kind of the movie tries to... Ha- I think the movie tries to have its cake and eat it, too, in, in moments like this. Because it'll be like, on the one hand, that's horrible. You know, but then the movie almost tries to soften it by being like, well, that reporter was probably crooked anyways. And and, and Thomas Wayne didn't really think the guy was going to go through with it. He thought he was maybe going to break his legs. <laughs> and he was only doing it because he loved his wife. <laughs> and it's like... I don't know. It's like very uncomfortable with some of the ambiguity it, it creates. Yes. And like this, so then it's like this legacy thing. So you have uh, Bruce Wayne is the son of Thomas Wayne who did this. And then, you know, Catwoman is the daughter of the mobster who killed the reporter. And then me, my dumbass, was thinking, okay, so the Riddler is going to be the reporter's son. Because we find out that the Riddler was in this horrible orphanage run by like the Wayne charities and stuff. It had this awful thing. I'm like, okay, it's going to make sense because... 
he lost his dad, you know, to murder that the that the Waynes and the Falcones essentially did, and that ended him, you know, landed him in this horrific orphanage and ruined his his life essentially. Nope, he's not related. Not related at all. I was like, this is the one time where I would have wanted him to be somebody's son. Usually I, I, get, I roll my eyes at that in the movies. But in this case, it would have actually made the character's motivation make more sense. And be more, if not, like, obviously not right, but maybe a little bit more understandable. But, nope. Just, just, <laughs> he's just some guy. He's just some guy who was an orphan and then became a forensic accountant. Jesus. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient comfortable ah this episode is brought to you by philo do you love tv do you love saving money then philo is your solution philo has shows movies and live tv for just 25 dollars a month you can even try it for free with their seven day free trial no contracts no commitments no hassles just a better way to watch tv never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries where is wendy williams or classics such as friends if you can't get enough tv then there's no better way to watch philo has more than 70 channels like bet mtv and amc and the best part you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial sign up today at philo.tv slash pop pods that's p-h-i-l-o.tv slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month. I think you and I left the theater being like, this was a this was a pretty good movie. And I think we kind of soured on it. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. that. It's like eating like a fast food or something that you enjoy at the time. Maybe enjoys too strong. We, we thought we weren't bored during the movie. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it, it kept you engaged. It's a three-hour movie. There was very few moments in the movie where... I was bored. It's it's a three hour movie and it kept things were moving fast, definitely engaging. But afterwards, as you stop and think about what you'd seen, uh, questions start coming to mind and the movie becomes more and more unsatisfying. I will say, to to as a counterpoint, some things I really I mean I generally like the vibes, the kind of dark, moody, gothic vibes. I enjoyed that, and I thought. Uh, as I mentioned, I enjoy some of the characters. Uh, I enjoy. I, enjoy I, thought, I thought the fight scenes were engaging. Uh, I thought Circus was a great uh, Alfred. Yeah. Uh, I so and there were a lot of like there was a scene. Give them tell, tell me about that scene you liked with Alfred with the phone call. That that was very effective. There's a lot of effective storytelling. Yeah, uh, there 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 was a scene where uh, Batman becomes aware. That he, the Bruce Wayne, is going to be targeted, and which means that uh, Alfred is himself in some jeopardy. So you have a scene where he is frantically trying to call Alfred, and then we have we cut to Alfred seeing uh, a package addressed to Bruce Wayne and preparing to open it as the phone rings in the background. And then when the phone is answered, it's answered by someone else. And it becomes apparent 
that the scene of Alfred opening up the package was uh, a flashback that had happened a little bit earlier before Batman even made the call. Yeah, and like there's like little moments like that, and I think that's really the movie's strength. It's the storytelling. It's not, it's not the plotting or even necessarily the characters or anything like that. It's it's just like the storytelling choices that elevate sort of a basic moment into something that's more suspenseful and interesting. And so in terms of that, the movie's chock full of that. And I, I appreciated it for that because it's like, oh, this is clever. Oh, this is smart. This is, you know, some of the shots are really cool, pretty, you know, again, the fight scenes I mentioned, very diverting. So there's a lot to like here in terms of an actual movie going experience. But when you're talking about the story afterwards, I think that's where you're kind of like, wait, what? Huh? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and basically the whole, it's sort of like this dumb climax where like the Riddler's whole plot was to get captured. And then flood the city. Yeah. And so the Riddler kills all the people he wants to kill. He gets captured and he floods the city. So basically Batman, who I believe someone has described as the world's greatest detective, he failed. The Riddler got done exactly what the Riddler wanted to do. I don't mind a, a hero failing in a movie because that could be kind of interesting. But it's like, yeah, it sort of feels like, did anyone even need to be looking into this? <laughs> and like, it also feels like the Riddler then also, you know, takes a stupid pill because in the end, you know, he's like this smart guy. He's one step ahead of Batman. He figures it all out. And then at the end, you feel like he's saying Batman's Bruce Wayne. But then, oh, no, it's just a miscommunication. He doesn't realize that the same person. So you're like, okay, <laughs> like, whatever. And then the very end of the movie is like, hey, kids, the next one's going to be about the Joker. Oh, I hated that so much. I hated that so much. I was like, oh, God. I mean, he's like, you know, the, you know, the Riddler is talking to his, you know, the guy in his cell block, and that guy has a high pitched laugh, and you're just like, God, okay. And then basically the ending's Batman being like, well, I didn't, you know, I saved the, I saved the new mayor who, who won because the old mayor was assassinated. And like, I helped the city deal with this awful flooding situation. And I realized I have to be more about, you know, more about helping the community and, and saving people, you know, and healing the city rather than just about vengeance. Right. Like That's a nice message. I mean, you know, I mean, I, 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 I can appreciate that, especially since like, you know, in like sort of the. There's a, I mean, obviously in real life, there's an entirely huge dark side to vigilantism and, and horrible, horrible stuff ensues when that happens. So, you know, trying to not overtly call for that, but it's sort of a mixed message because ultimately Batman's vigilantism is a good thing in the movie because he's trying to fight bad guys. So it's sort of like it wants to have, you know, it, it doesn't want to quite come out and be like, well, maybe I shouldn't be dressing up as a bat and fighting people in the subway stations. Because then there's no, there's no, there's no sequel. In his insight about uh, it should be more about hope and not just fear, that is told in the context of Batman is like a teenage boy keeping a diary. And so throughout the picture, we have lots of excerpts from Batman reading from his dear diary. Dear diary. Dear bad diary. <laughs> and that, to me, uh, didn't work for a couple of reasons. First of all, I, I don't really imagine Batman would keep a diary. And second of all, it's it's bad storytelling in a movie where you have your themes articulated via voiceover 
Yeah. Instead of articulating those themes through what you're seeing people say and do on the screen. Yeah, for we complimented this the movie on its storyteller choices, but that one was shockingly bad and cliche. And like, how many times have we seen a film be like, "Dear Diary," and it's just like it's been done to death. First of all, and this one's not adding anything at all, and almost like, what if someone finds your diary, bad man? <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> Ugh. So yeah, it was it was a pretty silly movie, but some good stuff in it. And I think if people like superhero movies, it's probably not a bad one to see, just to see if you like it. But I will say I did not like all the violence. I don't mean the fight scenes. I mean like I mean like the murder scenes. I'm not a, like that's just you saw me. I was like hiding my face in some of that. Yes. I just I don't know. I don't care for that. I guess that's a your mileage may vary though. So are you ready to wrap up with some sort of pithy one line take? What you call your five-star final? Sure. Do it. I'd say that the Batman soars at points, but is ultimately riddled with bad story choices. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.